Remember the good old days before Microsoft Word had autosave? You'd type up some important document and then your computer would freeze and you'd lose hours of work just because you forgot to hit save? Well, that's what it's like going online without ExpressVPN. Every time you're connected to an unencrypted network, whether it's in an airport, a hotel, a cafe, or anywhere, your online data is not secure. Any person on that same network who knows what they're doing can gain access to your personal data. Bank logins, credit card details, passwords, all the stuff you don't want people seeing. Unfortunately, hacking has become much easier than it used to be. People don't even have to be exceptionally skilled to do it, and there's a lot of money to be made by selling your information on the dark web. ExpressVPN stops hackers from stealing your data by creating a secure, encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet. It's incredibly easy to use. Once the app is running, you literally click one button to get protected. And it works on your phone, laptop, tablet, and more, so you can stay protected on the go. I've been using ExpressVPN for a little while now, and I can rest easy knowing my info is safe and secure. I've heard horror stories of people who've been hacked, and it sounds like a massive pain to try to get any resolution in the aftermath, so I am not interested in finding out what that process is like. Secure your online data today by visiting expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash slashfilm, and you can get an extra three months free. expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for August 9th, 2018. On today's episode, we're going to be discussing the latest film and TV news, and in our feature presentation today, you can hear our interview with The Meg director, John Turtletob. This is Slash Film senior writer Ben Pearson, and joining me today is Slash Film weekend editor Brad Oman. Hey, that's me. And writer Huay Tran Bui. Hey, everyone. All right, so if you guys listened to the show yesterday, then you know that we talked a little bit about James Gunn and Disney, and today is uh, there's a sequel to that news. Brad, what is the latest update with that story? James Gunn has set fire to Marvel Studios. <laughs> that would be kind of incredible, but uh, <laughs> untrue. No, um, no, no, actually, uh, so in addition to yesterday's news that uh, Marvel was considering still using, well, Marvel and Disney were considering still using the script that James Gunn wrote for Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, and that other studios were basically waiting to, you know, offer him new projects if Disney was officially cutting ties with him. We have word today uh, from Deadline that apparently there are some quote-unquote back-channel conversations happening between Marvel Studios and Disney, where the comic book movie studio is trying to convince Disney to hire James Gunn back as the director of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Uh, this is the first we've heard that there's actual active discussions between Disney and Marvel to reconsider the decision that they made uh, about two and a half weeks ago or so. Uh, maybe it's three weeks now, actually. Who knows? Time is just lost <laughs> on me. Um, but yeah, so there's no real indications as to like what these conversations entail or anything like that. Deadline mentions... There's some kind of compromise they're trying to come to. I don't know, if, like, if that means like Marvel's trying to like give, <clears throat> you know, Disney some kind of control over something that they're usually in control over. Who who knows what what that means? But um, this is interesting simply because it means that not all hope is lost. You know, maybe Marvel Studios can convince Disney to go back on their decision uh, previously, especially you know considering the fact that all these other studios are still willing to work with James Gunn. Um, apparently the, the impetus for this isn't uh, the rest of Hollywood still okay to work with James Gunn, but rather the support shown by the Guardians of the Galaxy cast members since his firing, including that open letter that they all signed uh, and posted through various social media channels online. 
Um, so we all know where I stand on this. I, I really hope that they get James Gunn back in the fray for this. You know, he, he doesn't deserve to be taken off this project. This franchise is, you know, full of his heart and DNA. And I, I really hope Disney makes the right decision here. Yeah, HC, what do you think about this? Yeah, it's interesting because it does make it seem more like Disney really just jumped the gun on this uh, matter and did not consult with Marvel when they fired James Gunn. And it kind of is uh, stretching out or kind of, uh, yeah, stretching out this process even more uh, since we last had the update yesterday. And it seems like Disney could be waffling on their decision potentially, but we'll see. We Hearing all these sort of back channel discussions um, reported is really interesting because it does seem like there is no clear-cut path that Disney has set for who would direct Guardians of the Galaxy 3 and um and they it, because of this they might end up actually rehiring James Gunn which would be really interesting. Yeah, I don't really have much else to add. I think we've talked about this a lot in in recent episodes of the show, so you guys can listen back if you want more of our thoughts about that, but I think, you know, it, it's definitely as Brad said, all hope is not lost yet. I I'm still hesitant to get my hopes up entirely because the idea of Disney, I guess, going back on such a public decision like that still seems like something to me that they might not be willing to do, but we'll see how it goes. Uh, HC, tell us a little bit about what's going on. We're talking about Marvel. Uh, Sony has their own set of Marvel movies that they're developing. Tell us about Venom. What's the latest with that Sony Marvel property? So, a Venom originally was billed as being uh, Sony's first R-rated Marvel film, which was sort of an intriguing draw and kind of made sense with the infamous anti-hero character who was uh, always portrayed as a little bit more brutal and violent than uh, Spider-Man, which was the hero that he was connected to. And with Sony planning to launch an entire cinematic universe uh, from, from Venom that was centered around Spider-Man characters, but without Spider-Man, this cinematic universe possibly would be a little darker, a little more brutal, and a little more R-rated. But that may not actually be the case, according to a new report from Variety. So Variety says that uh, this um, it's unlikely that Venom will actually be the first R-rated um, Sony Marvel movie, because a few higher-ups at Sony are expressing concerns that the R rating could uh, close the door for any potential Spider-Man or even Marvel Cinematic Universe appearances in um, the in Sony's films. So um, they are shooting apparently for a PG-13, like upper echelon PG-13 rating, uh, without crossing over into the higher R rating. That was a uh, kind of cause for controversy with some footage that was seen at trailers, such as when um, Venom is about to bite a person's head off that we saw in the trailer for the San at San Diego Comic-Con. So um, this may, this is kind of, this has not been confirmed yet, and there hasn't been anything released by the MPAA, but uh, this, it's possible that this could mean that uh, Sony is considering to keep Venom and Spider-Man somewhat connected. Perhaps they want the more family-friendly Spider-Man, who has not been without a PG-13 rating all this time, uh, to make an appearance in Venom and Sony's cinematic universe. Or maybe they want to leave their open for a Marvel appearance for its characters. So this uh, is sort of like an intriguing um, development in Sony's embattled cinematic universe yeah, i think that's fair to say um so it's interesting to me because you know we've just seen with movies like deadpool and logan that r-rated superhero movies work because they speak to an audience who is hungry for that kind of content and i feel like the type of people that have been excited about a venom movie for all of these years 
are probably going to be pretty disappointed to hear that this is going to be PG-13 because, like you mentioned, that's sort of the whole thing with Venom is, like, he's dark and edgier than Spider-Man. Uh, Brad, you cover all, you know, the sort of the, the superhero comics beat for Slash Film. What do you make of this? Uh, you know, I'm just so checked out on Venom that that movie could be rated G, and I would probably be more interested in it if that were the case. <laughs> uh, it's, you know, the interesting thing, like, Venom's a can be a good character, but it doesn't seem like they're using a lot of elements that make him would make an r-rated movie featuring venom interesting the only reason to make this r-rated would likely be for the violence factor uh because venom is such a gruesome kind of character and you know eats his uh prey in disgusting grotesque bloody uh ways so you know i i feel like you know logan and deadpool had reasons for going r-rated other than just the violence factor Mm -hmm. and uh i'm not sure that this movie has you know, that kind of uh, focus or significance to make it necessary. So in addition to the Venom stuff that we we're just talking about, in that same Variety article, uh, they talked a little bit about the future of what Sony is planning on doing with their Marvel Cinematic Universe that's supposed to be separate from the normal MCU. So the latest update is that Silver and Black, which is a movie that was supposed to be about Silver Sable, who is a mercenary character who sort of hunts down war criminals, and Black Cat, who is a cat burglar character both of them appeared in spider-man comics they were supposed to be getting their own movie and now silver and black has been completely scrapped and each of those characters are getting their own standalone movie so sony seems to just be in sort of a state of flux right now trying to figure out what their their best plan of attack is here uh gina prince bythewood who is the director who is set to write and direct silver and black is, according to Variety, probably going to end up leaving the director's chair, but she'll stay on board both of those movies, those separate movies, as a producer for both of them, and Sony is uh, adamant about finding a female director for both of those projects, so I'm guessing we're going to be hearing a little bit more about this in the coming days. That uh, movie was recently taken off the release schedule, and now we know why, because they're basically just restructuring the entire thing here. Uh, Also in that article, they make a comment about how a movie is in the works based on Jackpot, which is a uh, female superhero, and um, it, her comic book character history, as with many characters in, in Marvel Comics, is incredibly uh, complex and um, kind of ridiculous when you say it out loud. So uh, basically, she's just uh, the the mantle of Jackpot was taken up by two different characters, one the first of which had actual superhuman strength, and the second of which bought the rights to the name and costume from the first character and used like a mutant growth hormone to give herself superpowers. We're not sure which version of Jackpot is going to, or, or maybe both, is going to appear in this movie. We just know that it's in development right now, along with a movie based on Morbius, who's a vampire that appears in that cinematic universe. Craven the Hunter, we talked about that one a little while ago. Uh, Silk, the Korean-American superhero who's basically like the female equivalent of Spider-Man. And uh, th- there are a few more that Sony sort of has in the hopper at this point. But Jackpot, this is our first indication that they're making a movie about that character. So... They definitely have a lot of irons in the fire. Um, We're not fully sure what their ultimate plan is going to be, but as HT mentioned, the idea of of them sort of dropping Venom's rating to a a PG-13 in the hopes of making this more uh, inclusive or, like, um, I I guess leaving the door open for more appearances from the MCU is also backed up elsewhere in that article because they say that Sony is open to having other characters from its Spider-Man movies pop up in Marvel movies, 
presumably with the caveat that they could secure a few Avengers level characters to cameo in some of its own films. So, I mean, this whole thing to me is, is it's starting to get really, really complicated really quickly in terms of what, you know, where the line is between the Marvel cinematic universe and the Sony universe. And if these characters start cross contaminating, it's going to be a nightmare for people who care a lot about continuity and stuff like that. So I guess, I'm guessing Venom is, going to be sort of a, a test run for them, a, a trial balloon, and we'll have to see you know, how that movie performs financially, and, and I'm guessing that will dictate a lot of what they do going forward, so we'll be keeping a close eye on that uh, as, as the studio tries to get its stuff together and figure out what it's going to do. Um, and then the last news item that I wanted to mention is sort of a, uh, <laughs> a quick, easy one. Um, Brad, we've been talking a little bit about the Sonic the Hedgehog movie, and now we know who is going to voice that character. Tell us who it is. Yes, we do. Um, the Sonic the Hedgehog movie is shooting right now up in Vancouver, Canada, and uh, it's a live-action animated hybrid. So right now, you know, James Marsden is on set. He's playing a cop in the movie who ends up getting caught up in Sonic the Hedgehog adventure somehow. Um, there's been no sign of Sonic on set because he's going to be created with digital effects, and the voice will be provided by Ben Schwartz, who is probably best known for playing Jean Ralphio on Parks and Recreation, but he also had a series regular role on House of Lies. Uh, and you also might remember that he uh, lent his vocal expertise uh, to post-production in Star Wars The Force Awakens uh, by providing dialogue for BB-8 and recording it. And uh, they tried to use that dialogue to create the, the sounds that BB-8 would make, but it still sounded you know, a little too human. And so they ended up just using his dialogue to inform the sounds that they ended up giving BB-8. So he kind of had a cool role in the creation of that character's uh, attitude and presence in The Force Awakens. And since then, um, you know, not necessarily because of it, um, but he's become quite an in-demand voice actor. He's voicing Leonardo in the upcoming Rise of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles series on Nickelodeon. Uh, he voices Dewey, one of the three nephews on the new DuckTales on Disney XD. And so he, uh, he actually jokingly tweeted that he loves 90s blue iconic characters because now he's voicing Sonic the Hedgehog, who is... A blue speedy hedgehog. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's. I feel knowing, like at least remembering what Sonic sounds like from the uh, animated series that was on TV when I was a kid, and the Sega game was, uh, you know, first popular. Uh, he has the right kind of, you know, laid back, cool attitude that Sonic the Hedgehog is supposed to have. Um, he's easily probably the biggest name to voice the character now um, since probably Jaleel White, who was the voice of the original Sonic the Hedgehog in that animated series I just talked about. Um, I did so, not know that. That's pretty cool. Yeah, so yeah, a little bit of trivia there for you. Old, old Steve Urkel was Sonic the Hedgehog <laughs> at one time. Um, but while Ben Schwartz will be voicing Sonic the Hedgehog, uh, Jim Carrey's role as the villain Dr. Robotnik will actually be live action, so that won't be a computer-generated character. Um, it'll be interesting to see how they bring that character to life, though, because the design for that character, he's always had weird proportions and kind of a, a goofy face and odd features. So I wonder if this will be one of Jim Carrey's roles where he has a lot of prosthetic makeup on, like when he was the Grinch or um, Count Olaf in Lemony Snicket's A Series of Unfortunate Events. Mm -hmm. But um, I'm, I'm kind of, even though I don't love those movies that he was in, I love when Jim Carrey has a role like that where he can really just like sink his teeth and like is able to just cut loose and really like dive into a character. 
Um, you know, even something that isn't great like Batman Forever, I love his role as the Riddler in it just because he's unhinged and just being a complete goofball. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what he does with this role and if it's a, you know, a classic Jim Carrey performance, which is something that we really haven't seen in a while. Yeah, that's true. Uh, Aishi, do you have any thoughts about Ben Schwartz doing the voice of Sonic the Hedgehog? I mean, for this movie, which I uh, still am kind of baffled by, it seems like a good fit. Ben Schwartz just has that good, goofy persona, and I can really imagine him going, gotta go fast, so <laughs> that's the only criteria I need. Yeah, it really is. He's he's so great. I've seen him perform a lot at the Upright Citizens Brigade Theater here in L.A., and he's like one of the best improvisers alive, so I'm hoping that maybe he'll uh, throw in some sort of off-the-cuff lines, and uh, maybe those will make it into this movie, um, because, yeah, as HT mentioned, the entire premise is, <laughs> is a little strange, and I'm still not fully convinced that, like, audiences in 2019 or whenever this comes out are, are ready and clamoring for a Sonic the Hedgehog movie, but uh, at least they have somebody awesome like Ben Schwartz in uh, in the title role, so that's pretty cool. Uh, our feature presentation today, uh, Peter Serretta, the editor-in-chief of Slash Film, is on vacation for the next few days, but that does not preclude him from joining us for this episode remotely because we're going to drop in his interview with uh, director John Turtletob, who is the director of the new shark movie The Meg, which also stars... Uh, with in addition to starring a giant shark, stars Jason Statham of the Transporter fame and, and uh, many other things. So in this discussion, Peter talks with John Turtletop about the cinematic inspirations for The Meg, uh, the possibility of sequels for this movie, where to draw the line between logic and fun in a big blockbuster like this, and a bunch more stuff. Here is Peter's interview with John Turtletop. While doing research for this interview, I want to start off with something interesting, like something different. Uh... I came across a credit on IMDb that you were thanked in Taika Waititi's, yeah. one of his first films, Eagle vs. Shark. How did that come about? I met Taika at Sundance Director's Lab. He was the young director coming up, workshopping Eagle vs. Shark. And we just spent a lot of time together. I, I, and I was shocked he thanked me. It was so nice. But... You know, Taika is the guy I still want to be. <laughs> and I hate that somebody younger than me is that awesome. <laughs> um, he's just too damn good looking, too charming, too funny, and too talented. Um, and he, you know, and then when Wilder People came out, it was just the whole world finally saw. Yeah, I'm surprised it took them that long because there was a bunch of films in there that were incredible. I know. And then a dip because Eagle vs. Shark didn't do so great. Um, And then, of course, with Ragnarok, which was a real, I mean, the most brilliant hire for Marvel ever. You know, brilliant. And he killed it. So he's he's done. He's set. Have you ever wanted to do a Marvel movie? Yeah. um, Don't make me start crying. I mean, you just brought it up, so I was just wondering. Of course, I would. I'm yes, that's the thing. You want to do Marvel movies, uh, and I want to do a Star Wars movie, and we're running out of both. <laughs> I don't know. I think those are going to continue you on think? forever. All right, good. Um, you know, this is a much bit different film than I think you're used to making. You're used to making like these character-centric kind of comedies and adventure films. Yeah. And this is much more of a horror movie than I uh, it thought it was going to be. It, it it needed more horror, horror than I've done. I did a. One TV show that had a bunch of like scary, suspenseful horror in it, but this was big, scary monster horror stuff. 
but leave it to me to make sure there was plenty of fun and character yeah. and humor and emotion in it because that's somehow what I gravitate to. So, um, but the reason to do it is because you want to do big, scary monsters. Did you grow up on like those kind of yes, jump scare of horror course. movies? You know, the movies that scared the hell out of us growing up turned out not to be so scary anymore. Yeah. We've progressed. Um, you know, people were terrified of seeing something creepy on screen. It didn't even have to jump out. It just yeah. had to be there. Um, I was the right age for all the Japanese monster movies. And we knew about um, Destroy All Monsters, Godzilla and Mothra and Gamera and Rodan. And Rodan, but I don't know how to make sure it's spelled correctly. Yeah. And <laughs> Gamera and Mothra and, you know, what was... My favorite was War of the Gargantuas, you know, and they, what they, they do for you as a kid is make you feel you're not sitting home anymore in your living room or in a theater. You're seeing a whole new world, and that's what you're supposed to do when you go to the movies, and that's what I want this to do. What movies did you take as inspiration for the Meg? Because it's unlike any other kind of, like... Correct. I mean, it's not Sharknado. It's not... It's uh, definitely not Sharknado. I mean, that was an inspiration to not do Sharknado, yeah. right? Because, you know, that was... What if shark movies were silly, right? Yeah. It was doing that. And I wanted to make a legit shark movie. Um, the problem with using Jaws as inspiration is that it's so iconic and so perfect. You have to learn from it but not uh, copy it. Yeah, uh, because everyone's going to know you're copying it. Um, you have to, and I'm not even sure the pacing would work these days. It so. absolutely would not. Yeah, um, and 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 look, if you hand Spielberg today's CG, he would make a completely different movie with Jaws, and it would be extraordinary and awesome, just different. Are you saying it's because of the constraints? I think the constraints. He'll always tell you that those constraints helped because it made for a movie that was more of a suspense thriller than a monster movie. Yeah. Um, and the su look, the suggestion is always better than the reveal in every yeah. walk of life, right? Men tend not to know that as well as women do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Men show up and go, I love you. <laughs> <laughs> Here's yeah. some pictures. Yeah. Um, women are a little smarter. The, yet, um, <laughs> audiences now want to see bigger quicker. Um, and so we gave them bigger and quicker. You don't show the Meg that... I, I wasn't counting the minutes, but it's... I mean, we, we do get a taste of it, yeah, but you, you don't see it until... It, it takes a while. You get, a, you get suggestions, and then you get a glimpse, and then you get a big bite. Yeah. Um, and you, you finally see a big reveal of it. And you want to lead up to that big reveal. That's yeah. a big moment in a movie. You're introducing your lead character in some ways. Certainly the title character. So, so going back to inspirations for this film, uh, if it's not Sharknado, you know, it's not Jaws, well, what is it? What do, you, what do you like watch or show the crew that like... You know, the, the, the goal was often what to avoid believe it or not. Our inspirations were really more about uh, pitfalls and, and, and landmines. Yeah. Um, where, oddly enough, the, the concept can, quote-unquote, jump the shark here. <laughs> yeah. Right? And 
there are things where you've just gone too far. Um, and step one is to stay in the realm of what sharks would really do, not what a movie shark can do. Yeah. CG allows you to do anything. So you have to restrain yourself yeah. and keep the shark acting like a shark. Right? Yeah. So it's not going to jump on land, put on a top hat and a cane yeah. and, and start singing. It's got to stay sharky. Um, the problem with that is all you have to do is stay out of the water. So the, the trick is to get people in the water. And mm. why are they out there? Right? Um, there's a lot of people in that water. And there's people in the water. And you've got to find <laughs> those beaches where, where it is. And, you know, I, before shooting, I was just researching stuff and looking at images online of Chinese beaches in China. And images just popped up that you wouldn't believe of thousands of people crammed together. And I just thought, oh, please let me send a shark through there. That, that uh, place is like the Hawaii of, of yes, China, right? It's, it's kind of Hawaii and the French Riviera and uh, every other beach you know <laughs> combined. Yeah. Um, it's just packed. Now, not in front of the really nice hotels. Yeah. Um, they have a way of uh, not packing it in. But the public beach is packed. And I mean packed. Yeah. Um, you talked a little bit about uh, science. And obviously, uh, you know, the Megalodon existed. Um, but You know, I don't think that gets said enough. We, uh, you know, I did all the TV stuff. Yeah. And they talked about other movies, other monster movies and stuff. Unlike King Kong or Godzilla... This is a real thing. This isn't a movie fabrication. What if there was a super-duper big shark? Yeah. There was a super-duper big shark. The, the only question we ask is, what if it were still alive today? Yeah. Um, and came to say hi. Th this is a real animal that was really badass. And most, you know, there aren't a ton of megalodon experts because <laughs> very little is known. They yeah. just know they existed, and they can't think of anything that could have killed it. So whatever killed it was not another shark. So, I mean, you know, the movie doesn't end with a Marvel-style tease for more, but I imagine this movie's going to be big, and internationally it's going to do big. Is there ideas for... Well, fortunately, we have a whole series of books with a whole series of ideas. Yeah. So there's all kinds of stuff in there to do. Jaws, again, becomes a template of things to do and not do, right? The sequels to Jaws very quickly became real stretches to yeah. try to find another way to do this movie. Part of it is in your first movie, there's the mystery of what it is. And by the time you get your second movie, you don't have that. Yeah. And you can very Unless quickly go too bigger. big too fast. And then you need something bigger. And next thing you know, there's a movie called Super Megalodon versus <laughs> Super Duper Megalodon. Yeah. And no one wants to see that. Uh, can you talk a little bit about, um, this is a fun blockbuster movie. Uh, and I love those. Uh, but um, they sometimes uh, forego logic. For the fun. I just thought, did um, Thanos wipe out half of the <laughs> sea life yes, as well? Yes. Actually, I think Kevin Feige uh, said that all of all animals on Earth 
Wow, that is phenomenal. <laughs> Thanos is awesome. <laughs> Bring it back to Marvel. I love him. No, um, no but I want to, want to know what, what you, yeah. how you feel about where is the line where like we don't have to be logistical because this is fun. Like where where does that where do you draw that line? It, the line should all. It, we may never fully succeed. I'm still going yet? Yeah. We may never fully succeed, but. The line should always be, only do what's possible. Only do what's, pl- you know, plausible. You can question what's plausible to yeah, you. Yeah. may not be what's plausible to me, but what's possible. What, let the shark always behave like a shark. And hopefully let people always behave like people. However, we need to expand our ideas of how people behave. It's one of the things Marvel has done very well, but... We, my thought was, and I would say to the actors, don't forget, you've seen shark movies before. Yeah. Right? Jason's character probably saw Jaws, right? Yeah. So you don't have to act like this is, like, you don't get the joke. Like, you don't get the cliche. The people in the movie get the movie cliche. They're in. And you see, we, my thing was, the best way to avoid a cliche, if it comes up, is to lean into it. Yeah. Right? Don't do it, it in the... Acknowledge it. Yeah. And in fact, point it out. Yeah. And you do that a couple of times. And so we did that. And I think it helps the film and it helps the audience relax a little bit and not feel they have to be movie policemen. Yeah. Uh, every time I see you, I have to ask uh, about oh, National Treasure 3. I know. It, it, it's my job. I'm sorry. But... I need you. <laughs> I really do. I need you to make a lot of money in the stock market so you can go finance <laughs> this film. Um, I, w- I would make it tomorrow. Um, finding the right script is hard. It, yeah. it was brutal for the first two. It's still going to be brutal for the third. But I don't think Disney wants to make it. And I think they have other things they want to make more, um, but I'm telling you, well, now they have if a streaming we did another one, so they well, they need content. The fact is, it'll probably be made as a streaming film, which is then they'll reboot great uh, for some people and not great for others. Yeah, they'll reboot uh, Three Ninjas. <laughs> Dude, they'd be fools not to. <laughs> uh, one last question for you: um, I know you were attached to a movie with Disney called "It's a Small World." Still am. It's, it's still going? And I what took my that? daughter on the ride this weekend, actually, last weekend. Um, we're still... Anyone who says making a movie based on the small world ride is ridiculous is completely right. <laughs> <laughs> Which is why it's really tricky to figure it out. Because there is a way where it's not ridiculous. Where, in fact, it's pretty clever and delightful. <clears throat> we're working on the clever and delightful version, <laughs> and that's going to take more time than the really ridiculous bad version. What is the log line? Or you can't share? Or well, I think we know it's very emotional because it is a world of laughter and a world of tears. <laughs> okay, well, thank you very much, John. I thank appreciate you. it. Uh, as, as a Disneyland annual pass holder, don't 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 ask it up. I'm trying not to screw it up for you. <laughs> yeah, thank you. All right, I hope you guys enjoyed that interview as well. That's probably going to be our last one for the week. And uh, before we wrap up today's show, where can people find more of our work online? Let's tell the folks. Brad, where can people find you? 
always on SlashFilm.com, also on Twitter at Ethan underscore Anderton, and you can listen to my podcast, Go Flicks Yourself, on iTunes and other podcasting platforms. HT. You can find me writing every day at SlashFilm.com, and I'm on Twitter at HTranBooey. You can find me writing at SlashFilm as well. I am on Twitter at Ben Pears, and you can find more about all the stories we mentioned on today's show at SlashFilm.com and linked inside the show notes. Uh, SlashFilm Daily is published every weekday, bringing you the most exciting news from the world of movies and TV, as well as deeper dives into the great features you can find at the site. You can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Google Play, Overcast, Spotify, all the popular podcast apps. You guys know the drill by now. Please feel free to send your feedback, questions, comments, and concerns to us at peter at slashfilm.com. And make sure, if you do that, to leave your name and general geographic location in case we mention your email on the air in an upcoming episode. Uh, don't forget to rate and review the podcast on iTunes. Tell your friends about the show. Spread the word any way you can. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll talk to you tomorrow.